Hi, and welcome uh, to this conversation about the Netflix series Transatlantic. I'm critic and broadcaster Bilal Qureshi, and really wonderful to have the cast of this incredible ensemble series, um, Transatlantic, a historical drama um, about World War II that takes a very different and unique way of telling the story of how a group of young people from around the world banded together to help rescue refugees during this time. Um, it's created by Anna Winger, who created the incredible series Unorthodox, and uh, joined by this, we're joined now by this incredible cast from the US and Europe, um, Gillian Jacobs, Lucas Englander, Delala Piasco, from Israel, Amit Rahav, uh, Corey Michael Smith, and Ralph Amusu. So welcome to all of you, and uh, really looking forward to having a chance to speak with you about Transatlantic, which just before we begin, the logline of the show is, two Americans and their allies from a scrap, former rescue, a scrappy rescue committee in Marseille to save refugees in the midst of World War II. It's a show that's about a, obviously an incredibly uh, difficult and, and, and serious chapter in history, but told in an incredibly original and new way. And so uh, looking forward to speaking with all of you about it. Uh, let me begin with you, um, Corey, actually about uh, the show and kind of what drew you to what felt relevant and resonant about the series and the story now. The show is relevant for me, unfortunately, uh, for, for many reasons. Um, we're sort of living in the midst of a time where there's a renewed refugee crisis, and we're looking toward the for, uh, toward the future where this really could increase because of climate change and uh, people being more displaced um, because of government systems changing and uh, people finding themselves in dangerous situations. And so they're leaving their countries of origin and finding new places to go. Um, and though this circumstance is a bit familiar to us, World War II, we all know the history of this. Um, there are a lot of displaced people and reading this story about this American hero and this group of people, it's kind of an unknown story. And it was really exciting to be able to tell a story that converges on saving, you know, uh, saving Jews during World War II, but also matching it with the art world, um, and telling a story about these amazing cultural figures, these artists that were on Hitler's blacklist, and having this man, Varian Fry and Mary Jane Gold, and these other people that became part of the American uh, Emergency Rescue Committee, um, coming together and saving these people who would be these unbelievably important cultural figures changing the 20th century art scene um, in the United States and around the world. Um, on, the, on that note of like incredibly you know, famous and important people, Lucas Englander, uh, Lucas, you play Albert Hirschman, who's a, a renowned, econo renowned economist, but in this show he is one of the real-life characters who was rescued by Varian Fry and the, International Res and the Emergency Rescue Committee. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your character and where you kind of had to go to play this part and what you were drawing from? I um, I feel like my process was very, very multi-layered and just that from the first moment on, a very important thing was a call with my mom who um, told me in a different way, just the story of my grandfather who himself, um, having been an avid social democrat, tried to assassinate Hitler, um, having uh, plans of the underground movement, knowing where he would pass through in Prague. And he waited there with two guns um, and the guy didn't show up. And then my grandfather had to run away. And he, um, to uh, 
to what the Nazi description of Jewish people was looked very Jewish. He was a quarter Jew. Um, and so he was stopped in the streets in Austria and had a passport control and um, then decided to run away. And he fled to the US and created or joined an organization that helped other Austrian refugees cross to, to the US. So for me, feeling that and knowing or seeing the parallels of the real Albert Hirschman and of the story that we were telling with him, um, I felt an immediate emotional charge that led me to feeling like I need to tell this story. Then there was Albert Hirschman, the real human being, who I would like to put as like Albert Hirschman, the real one, and Albert Hirschman, our Albert Hirschman, into two different sections, because the real one, he's lived through so many things, and, and he has created so much after the time in Marseille. So I didn't want to focus too much on, to, on, on his work of what he created afterwards and just focus on who he could have been in that moment. A person who has already lived through different wars, who has joined the uh, Spanish um, in the Civil War, and, uh, and who then arrived in Marseille and uh, found himself next to Varian Fry. And then we have Albert from the script, who's this burning young man who has his ideals and who does not want to give up the place where he comes from. So he stays. And through the process of him staying, we experienced as like a global people, the end of February, 2022. So suddenly war breaks out and I'm confronted with the reality of what we're going through and with friends of mine from Ukraine and from Russia who need to either get out or just be on the phone. So not to be alone because nobody knows what's going on. And suddenly people are looking for answers in us because we're outside, so we might know something, but we don't. And I remember being inspired by something that I had for preparation, which was some note somewhere, I don't remember anymore if it was related to the script or to the real story of helping people out through getting them um, letters of recommendation. So while we were shooting the story, I started with a couple of other cast members and people from production to write letters of recommendation for a person who was stuck in Russia and who couldn't get who was afraid of not being able to be to cross into Europe because he has a Russian passport. And so all these like different things to me have created the journey of Albert that I experienced, which was a journey at the same time of telling the story through the character, but him vice versa, influencing me directly and really immediately in my life in how I have reacted towards towards the current. So your biography and the kind of world around you was was very much part of the process of creating this character. It felt incredibly immersed. And Lucas, as you mentioned, the, the character is, is on the show is is Albert Hirschman, but is in fact also a creation of the show and the narrative of the show, which is a drama of these young people, a drama and at times a comedy and, and kind of lighthearted. Yeah. Gillian uh, Jacobs, you play um, Mary Jane Gold, who's one of the central characters in the show. And I know Anna Winger, who created this series, has talked about kind of wanting to, to use it as a way to look at history in a new way, in a different way. And, and I wondered if you thought, could say something about the tone of the show and how it finds the kind of dark and light combination, which makes it so unique, because again, this incredibly difficult history um, and, and potentially, you know, only serious and grave, which it is, and yet also something with a lot of love and spirit and community um, for like, I didn't mean to only use that term, but I'm just curious what you would say about the way that you, the show finds that, that rhythm. Yeah. So I think Anna has described the tone as a screwball melodrama. And uh, 
like Anna, I am a, a big fan of the screwball comedies of Hollywood um, from the 1930s. And so I think I knew kind of innately what she meant by that screwball tone. Um, I was a, you know, an enormous fan of Katherine Hepburn as a child. Um, and so I sort of thought about this character of Mary Jane Gold as we're presenting her in the show as a kind of Katherine Hepburn um, screwball heiress character like you might see in Bringing Up Baby or Holiday, who is now placed in these incredibly important life and death circumstances. Um, and I think part of that for Anna was wanting to show the full spectrum of human emotion that occurs even within a story like this. So the real Mary Jane Gold was having a very passionate, ill-fated romance in the midst of this story. Um, there was still love, there was still friendship, there was humor. And so I think uh, Anna wanted to reflect that in this show, which I think, as you noted, makes it feel like a unique and different approach. Um, and so, yes, early on in the series, I think a lot of that humor comes from um, my character's uh, good intentions and at times incompetence, um, <laughs> her enthusiasm, um, but perhaps overreach. Um, and so that was a unique challenge for me, but one that I really embraced given, you know, um, my own personal love for the, the genre and the unique challenge that Anna presented me with. Um, on that note, I mean, I'm curious about the challenges of making it in terms of how you kind of create, how you guys as, as an ensemble created this, this very intimate feeling of, of, a, of a kind of community, as I, as I was saying. Um, Delilah, you, you come out of the theater world, from what I understand, too, partly, and I would love to know about the direction of the show and how it was made and what you could say about the process of how you filmed the show and, and kind of how you had to, had to get into this sort of the physical, you know, you had to go into the sort of sets, but also create this mood that we're in that's very unique and special. Well, uh, Steph and Veronique helped me a lot to find my character also in terms of physicality. They were really clear about their vision uh, for each character. And um, yeah, so for Lisa, they, you know, she's really like grounded and determined and engaged, you know, and, uh, you know, in the arc of the story, she warms up a little bit and shows more emotions and yeah and the directors were really really helpful for that and you know i mean um there it was really it was actually really fascinating working with stephanie and Veronique because they're almost like one body and one mind and um yeah they really i think i can speak for everyone they helped to create this beautiful collage of an ensemble yeah. And you're referring here to the co-directors, Stephanie Schwartz and Veronique Raymond, who filmed the series yeah. <laughs> together on it. And, and your character, Lisa Fitko, is one of the, the refugees who is living in this villa that's at the center of the show, um, but yeah. also constantly keeping, you know, her mind and on the trauma that she's bringing to the, to, the, to the place that she's come and where she's trying to go and trying to find a relationship with these Americans who are, you know, like uh, Gillian was saying, a little bit hopeful and optimistic, but sometimes a bit careless, maybe about how they do things. Um, so tonally finding also, I mean, the show is so transatlantic, the cast, what was it like to work with actors from all over the world as, as you did here? 
well, it was amazing to be honest because uh, yeah, everyone was so into this story and everybody was full of energy and it, it just it, having an international cast just it seems to me almost like the world gets bigger somehow you know having like this different cultural influences and uh yeah it was that was really um great yeah one of the one of the, the ways that i know that Anna Winger was able to, to to expand the kind of history of the show and the story of, of Varian Fry and, and the emergency rescue committee that we know is that she's talked about wanting to fill out the edges of history or wanting to fill out what we don't always hear about this time. Um, I know one of the aspects of that was talking about French colonialism, the history of the, of the French empire at the time. And the show was entirely filmed on location in one of the most diverse cities in Europe, in Marseille, which has an incredible history. So R Ralph, uh, I would love to talk to you about kind of your character and being part of the show and the, the sort of very central storyline that he has um, in the series, but was of course, one of the more added elements of the show's history, of the, of the history that's used, used here. So, um, so I'd love to hear more about your, yeah, your character and also filming on location in a city like Marseille, which is still kind of at the center of, of a lot of these questions. Well, I play Paul Kendrell, who's a character that didn't really, really exist. And, uh, and Anna created that character. And I feel like by doing so, she gave a voice to so many people who were involved during the war. And uh, if you think about it, if I think about Black Americans, for instance, it was about, I think, a million people who were involved in the war. If I think about uh, Black Africans, it's 200,000 people who were sharpshooters. If I think about Africans in general, it's 400,000 people and, uh, and so on. So Anna gave a voice to all of us, all people who look like me, and it's pretty um, amazing to do that. Not everybody does it, and she dared, and uh, I am forever grateful for that. Uh, shooting in Marseille was actually amazing because it's such a vibrant city and it's uh, there's a port so people come and go from everywhere and it's uh, I feel like it's been pretty intense uh, pretty amazing for each and every one of us I feel like it got it, got, it brought us together uh, because we knew the history and the importance of what we were trying to do so we were all very invested and it's uh, it's what's most most important I think and, and like your character, um, the character Amit, you play Amit, in the show is also a kind of composite character, is a, is a kind of created character. <laughs> and uh, and curious to sort of know about how you thought about, you know, the character of Thomas Lovegrove that you were playing on the show and 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 the history that you were kind of drawing from when you when you created his and his sort of storyline and his presence. And of course, this is your second time collaborating with Anna after having been part of Unorthodox as well. Um, and would love to know about how that was different, perhaps, or, or expanded on that relationship you already had since yours was a, a kind of creation of the show. Yeah, so um, when Anna called me on board, I was um, I was very excited to to like hear about her project, um, and I immediately said yes um, because um, I know that I just I knew that it'll be like um, uh, just like uh, an immediate hit, um, and I um, when I joined, I I was I felt very um, yeah. Close to Anna, and in, in in 
in in terms of like I I could I felt Anna was very open for a dialogue and and like Thomas was as you said is, is a fictional character so we had to kind of like craft it along the way and it was a very um interesting um experience to go through and kind of like build this character um from from scratch um and and um I just I love what Anna wrote um like I love the the final outcome because you just see um an individual who comes from Palestine a Zionist from a kibbutz um who just comes to to serve a a, a larger um a goal than 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 his own kind of like um his own his own existence and and he's um just so determined on serving the 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 SOE and 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 kind of like fulfilling his own destiny uh, without thinking about himself just serving his people in the land um or in the in the in the continent of of the enemy that is actually killing his his own people um and and i just i find it very heroic and and courageous and way braver than i could have ever been um and and um yes and and it's just like working with anna is is, is a great pleasure um after unorthodox and and then filming it in marseille in the most beautiful place in the world um having this great cast and um and creators and i just feel very um fortunate to be a part of this um very important story and i mean along with unorthodox there's a lot of the creative team of that incredible series is also part of yeah. this including um justine seymour who designed the costumes for the show and i'd love to ask um, some of you about some of the clothes that you wear in this, because I think a lot of people are going to be, you know, really taken aback by not only how beautiful it is, which is a strange thing given the the subject matter, but it's beautifully shot in Marseille on location in this real life villa where the story unfolds and the streets and the and the sort of port of Marseille. Um, but also we have these characters who are who are you know embodying a lot of the spirit of the time. Uh, Gillian and Corey, you're kind of two Americans in positions of privilege relative to some of the other people that you're working with. And so your clothes reflect that. So I'd love to hear more about the the fashion and the the look of the show and and how you, yeah, how you kind of found your way into into them, or maybe didn't struggle so much because they're quite uh, you know amazing settings to be in and, and clothes to be in. Uh, I think I got very lucky <laughs> in terms of costuming, hair, and makeup on this show. Uh, as I said earlier, I am you know, a longtime fan of films of this era. And so I never imagined that I would get a project in which I would look into the mirror and sort of see reflected back the costuming hair and makeup of that era. It's not, you know, been a big part of my career up to this point. And so Justine was an incredible collaborator in terms of developing the character of Mary Jane. Um, in real life and on the show, she had this amazing wardrobe of of couture and she was used by the ERC as the rich American to go into these circumstances that's that's based in fact um, and what actually happened in the story and so costuming was a really important um, storytelling tool and you sort of see the evolution of her character over the course of the series um, 
the hairstyles become less elaborate. The hats um, are less tall. <laughs> there are, there, there's a storytelling that goes on with hair, makeup, and wardrobe. But uh, I really feel indebted to our hair and makeup team, as well as Justine, for helping me craft this character. Um, and uh, I wish I could have stolen some of it, but I don't know the occasion that I would have to be walking around the streets of L.A. dressed like that. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on that note, I, I'd love to ask Lucas, you, Delilah, and Ralph, all three of you, about kind of, you know, the, the way that this show tries to tell a story about and succeeds, obviously, so masterfully at telling a story about Europe in the past, but also Europe now. And as sort of the Europeans in, in the show, too, I mean, I think this is happening at a time when there is also war, you know, on the continent. And there's, again, a kind of conversation happening around what does it mean to act and what does it mean to, to sort of, you know, be... I think to be open in a way that I think sometimes it feels like things are not at all. And um, I'd love to, to know how you felt like this show tells the story of World War II and of Europe in a new and, and, and fresh way f or in an important way, um, given the circumstances as sort of the Europeans on the cast as well. Fun fact, did you know that um, the first woman to be appointed U.S. Secretary of State was a European refugee? She was 11 years old when she arrived in the U.S. Her name's Madeleine Albright. Um, the Dalai Lama is exiled. Uh, Freddie Mercury was a refugee. Um, there's a man from Iran currently in, uh, in France. His name is Kianush Ramazani, who's an Iranian refugee and works as an illustrator. We currently have more than 30 million refugees around the world and more than 103 million displaced people. This story is happening in a transformed way right now all over the world. And uh, in Europe, we are closing borders sometimes in certain ways in terms of legislation towards people in a dehumanizing way because we do not see them as the U.S. Secretary of State or an illustrator or an incredible musician or anything else. We put them into a box of people who need our help and who will therefore take away our resources and our jobs and whatever else when that is just simply not the case. And when even... In the moment that a person is applying for asylum, they already create jobs. <laughs> so the, the, the way that the impact of, of displacement is being seen in our times today needs more Varian Fries and needs more Mary Jane Golds and Lisa Fitgolds and also Paul Canjos and Albert Hirschmans and Thomas Lovegroves, no matter whether to hear fictional or not. We need these people and they're here. That's also a wonderful truth to be able to see organizations, associations, people who come together to just tip in in terms of money for a person where they know that they're on the border falling into, into, um, into poverty because they are uh, migrating. These things are happening. People are helping. And it's organizations and it's individuals. So I think like when I look at Europe right now, there is maybe a, a bridge to be built between these organizations who are really at the front line in so many ways and governments. And uh, I think in this place also the individual power that each of us has to do something is just there and we all have it. And so I think just from, from my part, the story has opened many, many doors for me. I started working with two organizations, well, one organization, one association. And I think that 
in terms of Europe now, we can do that, you know, and we can spread this understanding that we're not alone, that this is a problem that we are also co-creating and that we should maybe look at people who are displaced as migration and not as displacement, put them into a camp and then we'll see, we'll deal with them in five years. Let's create another Calais. Great, great idea. <laughs> you know, we're, we're handling these things absurdly when we have the possibilities to do better. You know, like despite the sorrow and the lost and the danger, um, uh, they felt alive, you know? And it seems to me that this mission gave them like a purpose and it seems to invigorate them somehow. And that's, for me, that's such a positive message and really encouraging, yeah. I was going to say that um, to me, our characters are renegades and they just reject the status quo. They reject the status quo to do something extraordinary. They get together and they, they're not particularly powerful. Not all of them are powerful, but they still fight to get some power to, to, to make some, to make a difference. And that says a lot about what we have to do when times are dark and uh, yeah, they are heroes, but they're ordinary people. Um, let me ask you also, uh, you know, about the kind of, and, and maybe um, I can ask a lot of you about this too, is the kind of production design of the show and the way it looks. And it's also about this home and about this time, but about art and artists who are living there and the way it's kind of been, the universe it's created also required making like a lot of new art and a lot of new settings for us to go back into as viewers. Could you say something about that and what it was like to be surrounded by all of that? Um, that production design, the sets and, and the artwork that, you're, that your characters are living in the middle of? I mean, they really created like a fantastic universe, something between realism and surrealism. And it, it was really magical. And I had the feeling like every department was so uh, engaged and... Um, also, we had like a, a great cinematographer, um, Wolfgang Thaler, and he he just created this like poetic images, but also a shout out to Silke Fisher. And, you know, um, they, they created something really special and extraordinary. Um, yeah. And Gillian, what about sort of like your memories of the home and this place that you're that you're all living in? I mean, how would you describe kind of the the world that that Mary Jane Gold is now living in, having moved into this home with this community? I I think that Anna Winger's background as a a visual artist herself gave her a really unique insight into how important the art was going to be for this show, and I think the fact that. Uh, she commissioned original art for it and didn't try to just replicate the um, the existing art, but be inspired by it and bring that spirit of creation into this show as well. I think we all felt it. We watched as the house transformed over the week shooting there as there was all these fun uh, fanciful surrealist uh, touches added to nooks and corners and uh, we would enter a, a room that we had shot in previously and suddenly there was you know 
an egg sculpture tucked away in the corner. And I think, uh, I don't want to speak for everyone, but it inspired me. Um, and I thought a lot about what the experience must have been like for the real Mary Jane Gold, who was a woman of wealth and privilege and having this incredible life on the European continent before um, the war began. But what it must have felt like for her as at the end of the day, kind of an average um, person to be living amongst some of the greatest artists of the 20th century. And I really felt that so deeply when we were shooting the the um, the, the dinner party sequence of thinking what it, what an honor it must have been for her to feel like she had some hand in helping to save these people and also getting to experience living amongst them. What a rare experience to have all these incredible artists living together um, and creating art in real life. That's another thing that I think, you know, is central to the show and true to the story is that these artists were also creating art as they were living together, fearing for their lives and um, waiting to escape to freedom. They were still creating art together. And um, I think that's a beautifully central part of the show. And um, I mean, it is your character, Thomas Lovegrove, who is the owner of this home that is this, the setting of the show. And if you could just say you know, a little bit about what was the villa where you were filming? What did it feel like? And, and what was it like to shoot in that, in that real home transformed, as, as Gillian was saying, into this art studio, dance hall, uh, rescue committee, uh, you know, and, and, the, and the building where you were shooting this? Yeah, um, I remember before arriving to Marseille, Anna sent me a picture. I think she sent all of us a picture of the villa. And I just saw this massive orange pinkish house um, and I just I couldn't imagine what it would be like to shoot in it but then once you go inside it is and there's like an endless amount of rooms and floors and you can get lost there and as just like Gillian said every day arriving to set you'd just be surprised by the art department and the and the and the set decoration it's, it's it was just like uh, a theme park every day arriving on set. Um, so many details, so many small things that you have to look really deep into to, to see. But I felt as an actor that it was so helpful to me to just be emerged in, in these rooms and in on these sets. Um, it really helped me, yeah, dive deep, deeper into this um, time period and especially I want to talk about the night shoot that we had. Um, we had like a week of filming the surrealist parties. We came um, to set when the sun went down and stayed there till it went up. And it was a week of um, not sleeping, a lot of coffee. Um, it was really funny. And, and, um, and it was just this crazy experience of seeing everyone just doing their best to like push through these challenging shoots, but it was just so, so fun. And we were all dressed up in the most hilarious costumes. And it's just, it's, it's just, it's so nice to call this a job, you know, um, being surrounded by like these people here and <laughs> the people that are behind camera. It's just, it was, it, it's really a privilege to tell this story with these people, with this team and crew. Um, and especially I felt it is like very strongly on the night shoot that I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to be in this um, moment. 
Well, and you know, and lastly, I think as a viewer, one of the things that really came through in the show watching it is that it's both got, again, all these themes, but then there is life and there's joy and there's music and there's dance, which is, and there's parties in this home that is otherwise a place of great burden and heaviness. And so, you know, it also seemed that to make it, you guys also had to find that mix of being both able to be the serious actors that you have to be to play these parts, but also to have fun. And and for anyone who wants to watch more about how the show was made, there is the Making Transatlantic documentary that's also available on Netflix. Um, and I'd love to know a little bit about, did you did you have a lot of fun making it? Because I can say that as having seen a little bit of that filmmaking, it was a, it was clearly a great, great collaborative and and uh, a great community that you found there in making the show. Yeah, it was it was really nice. Uh, you know, you you were on set uh amount. you saw the you saw the vibe there one of the things that anna did um during the casting process is she uh, she had long conversations with all of us there's like a proper interview at the end and i think it's always so important to me in a casting process when someone that's putting together a group of people like really considers who the actual artists are um you know how they think the kind of work ethic that they have, their perspective coming to the project, not just um, their performances, which I am among extraordinarily talented actors, but what was so important, we spent half a year together shooting this incredible story. And all, I mean, I love all of these people. We had this insane, insanely beautiful time as a family. Um, the time on set, the time socially, being in that unbelievable city, that has this magic to it, this vibrancy, this grit. It was just, it was so dreamy. Um, and to have done it, have gotten together to tell a story that I know we all feel is so important, just like sent it over the top. So I, I just, I hope, you know, I hope people continue to find this show because it's made with an, an extraordinary amount of love. I just want to share the same love and appreciation for Silke Fisher, our set production designer, sorry, uh, because I got to go to this Hotel Splendid, which was the real Hotel Splendid, by the way, uh, and just be immersed in this amazing universe and seeing Corey walking with his beautiful costume, beautiful suit. My suit was amazing. I was just, I felt blessed to call this a job. I felt like a kid. I felt like when I said to my parents, I want to be an actor, that, that was it. That was, the, that was what I was living for. So I felt very happy about that. And also like Paul's room, you know, the whole situation, you've seen the show. Uh, and if you haven't seen the show, please watch the show. Uh, so I feel very lucky uh, that we got to work together and that we had this, I feel like this is the ultimate teamwork somehow. And I'm grateful for you guys. So yeah, that's it. This is our first time reunited as a cast because Amit wasn't there for our premieres. So it's sadly back on Zoom, but it kind of feels like circling back because we did all of our table reads for the show before we started shooting on Zoom. So this kind of feels like echoing back to the beginning of this journey. And I wish we were all in the same room together physically, but I'll take Zoom. Well, thank you all so much for for talk, telling us about the journey of making Transatlantic. I'd like to thank all of uh, the cast who was able to join us today: uh, Gillian Jacobs, Lucas Englander, Delilah Piasco, Amit Rahav. 
Corey Michael Smith and Ralph Amusu. And I would like to also mention the names of some of the the creative team that were that were noted too. Um, creator and, and executive producer Anna Winger, uh, production designer Zoka Fisher, costume designer Justine Seymour, cinematographer Wolfgang Thaler, and the directors Stephanie Schwatt and Veronique Raymond. Um, so thank you guys all and congratulations on Transatlantic.